Watsy. Um, what you drinking, buddy? I am, um, you know, you hit that moment in the afternoon where you have to make a choice. There's, there's two options, right? Another mm-hmm. cup of Joe or begin the slow descent to a nice relaxing evening with a, uh, with a nice little whiskey or scotch. And I made the choice for the latter today. I am drinking a Jameson Black Label on the rocks. Ooh, I like that. I am uh, I'm, uh, going for a Cleveland. It's called, the brand is called Cleveland. Okay. Uh, well, you know, go figure. It's from Cleveland. Uh, okay. And it is a bourbon whiskey. It is a black reserve. Now, what's interesting about this brand I got this as a gift from my, my sister and brother-in-law, is that it, it's finished with an oxygen-enriched, accelerated process. Okay. Isn't that just like, that sounds like some some of the, you know, the BS that Coors Light made up and said that it's cold brewed and filtered, and really they just kept it in the freezer for about a half an hour longer than than is recommended. It's very true. Uh, what they seem to have done here is, uh, they use this kind of new technology for rapid pressure changes and oxygen infusion. And the idea okay. is that they can make a one year, you know, whiskey taste like a eight year whiskey. And it's, oh. it's much controversy uh, as I sip on this. It tastes good. It's good. So you're drinking, you're drinking controversy. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm drinking controversy very similar to the new is, solo Is that movie. the modern day equivalent of eating your feelings? Oh my gosh! Uh, I, most likely, just drinking controversy. <laughs> drinking and, controversy is the modern day equivalent of eating your feelings. And a, as I drink it from a Cleveland uh, tumbler, so literally not a tumbler, but a, a tum, you know a proper a proper Cleveland glass. My my my, my sister and brother in law really love Cleveland. I never quite understood it. I'm from Cleveland. Right. I'm allowed to make statements about Cleveland. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what it's about. Um, uh, now now this glass, Danny says. Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. okay. Established 1796. 1796. Six. New York uh, City. New Sorry. York City. It says the best location in the nation. I don't think that's a true statement, though. Right. No, I'm not only drinking controversy, but I'm drinking it out of lies. It's a subjective opinion printed on something that is, is designed for you to drink controversy. Yeah, it's very meta. Wow, you are. Well, I, I have a feeling we are about to get into a very fun podcast. So let's both raise our glasses here of our respective uh, of our respective afternoon beverage of choice. Not coffee today on Coffee House Blunders. And then I'm going to let you go first and tell us how your week was. Can raise our glass to freedom. Something that they'll never... T- All right. Raise our um, glass to... Co- no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, honestly, I want to actually begin this entire podcast. I'm in a really good mood. You know, last week things happened. I'm, you know, really got excited. This is our big Microsoft conference week. It just ended. I gave a lot of sessions. I was really amped up. I met uh, quite a few listeners. Some listeners brought us coffee, which I will now have to send off to you, which was really awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, really excited about that. And I, I'm, I'm on a real high. I'm feeling really good about the week going into it. And uh, I figured I would honestly jump into our favorite topic which happens to be movie discussion and i need to know your feelings that solo a star wars movie advanced ticket sales have already broken records and they're besting black panther like this is mind-blowing to me and i why do people have so much money to spend on a movie that's not going to teach us anything new like it's just 
I mean, you know how I feel about this, right? I mean, this is, I'm, I was emotionally committed and have been since I was four years old inadvertently mm-hmm. through Indiana Jones to one Harrison Ford, right? Fell in love with the guy. He was my first superhero, Indiana Jones. Loved that whip. You know that I was Indiana Jones three times for Halloween? Ooh, I did I, not I, know believe, that. I believe you not. So I'm not even kidding, actually. I think I've told this story on a chess, uh, a chess show one time. I was rapping with the chat. And I remember telling the story, which is a true story, that Harrison Ford was the person who made me realize that movies were not real. Because Mm. I was so obsessed with Indiana Jones and, of course, knew Harrison Ford. And in hindsight, why was my mother letting me watch Indiana Jones at like four or five years old? I don't know. But, um, you know, like with like the skin melting and stuff and like Raiders Mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark. and Anyway, so I, I had seen like every Indiana Jones and when the new ones came out. Um, and then I saw Harrison Ford, and I think I think it was regarding Henry. Um, it wasn't one of the early Tom Clancy novels converted. It wasn't because that was later. It was it was in regarding Henry, which is the movie where he gets he takes a bullet to the head and gets him. Anyway, it's a great movie. But like that experience rocked my world. And I have for I saw Star Wars later. I have forever been emotionally in that in this generation, like I am with the MCU universe, you know, through mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. and these guys. Mm-hmm. But I, I just like what is going on with people? Like, do we not have better things to do than go see Solo with the young like barely look-alike Harrison Ford look-alike? Or am I the old crotchety guy here? Have I become the old crotchety guy, Mutz? Hit me. This is what has happened. We have both become the old crotchety guy um, person in the room. To be honest, I was discussing this with Frank and and my buddy Jesse recently. I go, I can't, I sent, I sent actually, I sent Jesse the link to Cinerama. And you know I'll see anything at the Cinerama, Dan. Yeah, we, we've established this. Chocolate popcorn, big scenes, theater scenes. We get it. All right. Yeah. Forget, but no, I say, I say nay. I say nay. And, and Jesse says nay. And I say nay. And I say also I'll be out of town for like two weeks. So, <laughs> But it, later if you want it, later if you want to catch it at the Cinerama, I'll do it. I think I'm going to do that eventually. I think I will see it and I will see it eventually is my plan of action here. It's just really interesting because you and I were both quite interested in the first Star Wars story. And I would also be interested in additional Star Wars stories. But what hit us is it happened all too quick. It just happened in December. I was hoping for another December release. Give me some some slack. But uh, I thought it was interesting because I believe it has now, um, I don't know if it bested um, uh, Avengers. I think it may have it bested Avengers for pre-sale it tickets. It bested Black but. Panther, right? I don't know who won the best of the best when it came to Marvel this spring. So did, did Avengers eventually pass Black Panther for pre-ticket sales? So it says here, I'm reading on uh, Deadline. It says Solo's first 24 hours of sales represent one of 2018's best first day pre-sales, second only to Avengers Infinity Ward. And it has bested Black Panther. So Black Panther is now third for for this year at least. So it'll it'll probably end up passing Avengers Infinity Ward at this point. I mean, just given the trajectory that it seems to be on. It has a, the advantage of being uh, coming out on Memorial Day weekend, too, I think. So I think that's probably one yeah. of the big things. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought it was really interesting because we had mentioned, you know, when the trailer came out. I didn't know if you had time to soak in more of the newer trailers. I or haven't. Kinda give... I haven't. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the newest trailer when I went and saw the Avengers Infinity War, right? It, I don't know if you saw it. That um, obviously you, it's kind of hit and miss sometimes with which trailers they choose to show. But I assume a lot of people saw the new solo trailer. Um, when they saw Infinity War. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things I'm probably going to see it. That's the truth um, because I got, I got kids and, you know, I guess sometimes a movie's a family time, but um, 
but I'm not I'm not that excited about it. And uh, and I say we move on. I have a coffee story. Ooh, hit me. So here's the thing, right? So obviously the, today's uh, coffee house funders is the two of us combining our our experience to to sip to sip on what we are. But I was I was pouring over my December coffee dripper today. Mm-hmm. Um, and enjoying every moment of it. And, uh, well, I, actually here, here's the story is I real I don't know if you do this too. So when I, when I grind up my, my blue bottle, um, or one of the special roasts that you send me, you know, like those little like flakies that, that like come from like the freshly ground coffee beans, the little like inside the coffee or just out when you're grinding, like when you're grinding and then you like kind of, you know, you're kind of dumping it. It's got like the little, I call them, I don't know what you call them. I call them the coffee cherries, the little flaky things. <laughs> the little flaky things. I call things. them my coffee. And I grab, I always, like Shauna was watching me and she's like, are you just like OCD or do you actually think that that improves the flavor? So I, I grind every time and I grab all the little coffee cherries, these little, these like flakes of the, of the bean, mm-hmm. right? You know the flakes I'm talking about. Right? I know, I know. It's it's like coffee fairy dust. Right. The, okay. There yeah. you go. You call it coffee fairy dust. I call it coffee cherries. I sprinkle my coffee cherries on top before I pour over the December dripper. So that that wasn't even mm. my coffee story, but that was something I had to tell because it also happened this morning. So I said, "Yeah, it makes it taste better." And she's like, "Really? How do you know?" And then I realized I didn't have an answer. I don't know that it make it taste better, but it smells really good. I feel like those little coffee cherries. Like I just want to eat them. They're just delicious. And and I'm just so you know, dude, I'm down to a single cup of Joe a day. Like, cause I've been realizing I get a little bit anxious in the afternoon when mm-hmm. I when I hit a cup of so for the last couple of weeks I've been backing off that second cup of coffee, partly because guess what? That second cup of coffee sucks. It's the Keurig here in the office. Yeah, you don't need but, that. But um but uh but I mean my so my single cup pour over has really become my meditation, my single, my solo, if you will, coffee cup experience. And so I really enjoy it, and I've just started to notice the little idiosyncrasies I have about my coffee, my coffee ritual in the morning. I I, I enjoy that. Uh, to me, when I make coffee in the morning, and I did something really unique this year at uh, at our build conference, is I I tweeted out a, a there's on GitHub, which is like open source code and stuff. They have this little they call them a gist or a gist, which is just a little snippet, a little markdown file, and I create a little gist. I call them gist. I think it's wrong. I call I create a little gist and I created my entire schedule and I said, Hey, this is where my sessions are. This is where I'll be at the booth. And here's where, and the times I'm going to go get coffee at the good places in Seattle. Cause I also wrote the Seattle best coffee in Seattle blog post last week. I wrote this blog post of the best coffee in Seattle and people were loving it. I said, if you want to join me for a coffee, I'm going to be here. Like, I'm just going to be here. Come join me for a coffee. And What's interesting is hearing you tell your story of the process of a coffee is every morning at Build, I brought, I made coffee, brought it with me. I was presenting this morning. I I poured my coffee. I was drinking my coffee. And it is, it's this ritual. It makes me feel good. Uh, I I also make a coffee uh, for for H. H Diggity, put it in her Zojirushi mug. And and she write I write little notes on. I write little notes, just little notes, you, little do you, trinkets. Do you, write, do you try to sometimes spell your name as you pour the drip over into the December? <laughs> uh, okay, but okay. So I, like I said, I haven't even told my coffee story yet. Oh, hit me. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So now that I've sidetracked. Well, no. <laughs> now that we've sidetracked into what I've never actually spelled my name, but I've thought about like 
how how differently could I do this pour over before the the bloom begins? Right, everyone mm-hmm. wants to hit that magical bloom spot, mm-hmm. uh, which relates into my um, into my story because what I've started seeing with the December coffee dripper is I don't necessarily need a bloom for it to really be great. Sometimes I pour around the sides, and you get those little like pop up bubbles. Yeah, right. Like the air pockets are just bursting through, mm-hmm. and I feel like if I do this well enough, pour around the sides, and I almost haven't even. Uh, I haven't done like my second round of pour over to the middle. So it, it's kind of needing a second round, which is why those little pockets of fresh coffee clearly untouched by hot water still exist, right? Mm-hmm. So then I pour around heavy and it like starts to pop up through the middle. And so again, like I'm just like, I'm basically, I'm basically playing with my food right now. I'm playing with my coffee pour over and I'm doing all kinds of things. I'm like, what kind of shapes could I make? Maybe I could get the face of Jesus to appear to me in the coffee grinds. You know, like the toast that people always seem to find. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm rolling with it. That's that's the coffee experience I wanted to share. And I'm really, I'm really playing with my December pour over these days. My my favorite is when that good bloom comes up and you, like you're saying, you can really, there's the light and darker pockets of where you need to pour water. And 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 they make all sorts of weird shapes. I like to kind of zigzag a little bit with my with my my, my water when I'm pouring you're, it over. You're a zigzagger. Zig, I'm a zigzagger, and then I, I zigzag and then swirl, zigzag swirl, zigzag uh, swirl, the uh, zig uh, swirl, old number one, old number one zig swirl. And I do that because I want to wake up the wake up the bean wake up the beans because they're they're in there. They're all sleepy after the bloom. You got to wake them. You just give them a little vigoration. I imagine that <laughs> that when those little those little bubbles are there, that those are the little coffee fairies and they're like i'm gonna make great coffee bye right no if if anybody and listening to this podcast has now has not somehow adopted a french press or a pour over of some kind into their life i think they will after this episode i mean i'm pretty sure we just described what sounds like a super magical journey i mean i I use this as my meditation you're right because i wake up with I tend to have my most like rush of thoughts in the morning. Like I wake up, like it's like, oh, I got to do this today. Chess.com. Like I'm doing streamers program. We're testing new boards. Like blah blah blah. Like hit me, hit me, rapid fire, rapid fire thoughts. And then when I look at my coffee as I'm pouring over, I try to like force myself to do a mini meditation. Like I breathe, try to clear my thoughts, just breathe through my nose, and just kind of just like relax for a second. Mm-hmm. You know. So it it is it is that time. It's me time. Honestly, it's a me, me time. time. It is. I. Uh... I cherish that time. I, I get up in the morning really early and I turn on the kettle and let it let it brew up and get to the correct temperature. And then I, I shower and then come back out. And well, uh, it, it, it's about five minutes in my frantic morning where I can just sit and, and let it be. Uh, and, and it's it's enjoy. I think that's half of the joy of coffee is only being able to drink the coffee, but the, the making of the coffee. And a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, I, you go here, you get this coffee, this coffee. I think, like, uh, to be honest, some of the best coffee is just the coffee I have at home because I get the win-win situation of yep. I have the time to make the coffee and enjoy the coffee and totally make, agree. make some coffee for the person I love most of my life. Couldn't agree more. And uh, and I, I think uh, I never thought that this would be something I'm bonding with another human being over. But it's, you know what, we could not be more on the same page about the me time we need as we pour hot water over freshly freshly ground coffee grinds. But speaking of me time, somebody in the chess world could use a little mean time. I want to get into this story because we haven't talked a lot of chess lately since the candidates, since Fabio Car- Caruana, the American, qualified to play Carlson. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the story that hit the front page of chess.com today? 
there was on the article from eight hours ago about some FIDE president ticket. Uh, there's some fake names, yeah, yeah. some weird I, I, one. I don't know what actually happened. There's I read the article from a few days ago that uh, I, I believe that there's a uh, there's a new FIDE um, running like they're doing uh, an election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re-election process every two years at the Olympiad. But it's been a foregone conclusion and just a matter of. Uh, you know, whatever, going through the motions for mm-hmm. everyone as Ilyum Zhinov has kind of had the, the stranglehold over the politics and um, it, for years. But more and more as unrest is, is really starting to settle, even with people that have previously been allies to Ilyum Zhinov, um, well, what is so to come out. What is the problem with so, the FIDE in general? And people that maybe don't okay. know what FIDE is, maybe we, you can yeah, give so a one over. Th- this story is going to be super interesting for people, whether they previously knew about what FIDE was or whether they care, but they're going to care about this because it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and honestly, it makes you wonder, like, wow, how corrupt is our world? But um, so FIDE is uh, the Fidelis Eschus des uh, F- Fidelis. Internation des Eches, which is the International Federation of Chess, okay, in 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 uh, in Francais, uh, and uh, it is the officialdom of the chess world. It is the it is the overarching governing body of global chess rankings, and it's ultimately something that provides the clear path to becoming a chess professional, which is very important. And so, FIDE as an entity itself, as as a governing body that provides legitimacy to chess rankings. I can actually share a little bit of kind of the behind the scenes conversations with Twitch and Amazon. And I'll say that it's something that they've told us they really like about the chess world and that other esports actually lack is that you go to like a Smash Brothers tournament and everyone kind of knows who's best, mm. but they don't really know. And like, there's no titles. There's no like official way to do ratings. There's invitational only things. But if you held like an open Swiss chess tournament, uh, you have a much better understanding of the quality of every player coming in because of the official rating body, the titles that are sort of uh, acknowledged as the, the 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 most well known and respected, and the only really respect you know clear clear ways that we measure how good chess players are, and it's yeah. something that a lot of other esports and industries lack. And that's so I'm digressing, but that's like something that they've told us like you never really want to undermine because it's a big advantage that chess has where it may have other disadvantages as we're kind of breaking into the esports industry these days. But back to this thing. So that's what FIDE is. Now, President Kyrsan Ilyumzhinov is one of the most controversial figures in chess history, and it's because of his, uh, frankly, the the corruption that ties him directly to all kinds of just crazy stuff within, like, the Russian mafia, nowadays the Russian government. Are they the same thing? Just kidding. Putin, please, I have a family. Let's continue back to what we're talking about here. Um, the it's very strange, okay, the way all these things are tied in, and there's a lot of corruption. Wow, there's somebody in that is somebody drilling in my building. We're gonna keep going with the podcast, (laughs) okay? But that is awesome. I think we should, I think we should just keep going. It it won't last long. So, Ilyum Zhinov, in addition to all this like financial corruption that. Run, <laughs> runs very deep is uh i thought maybe you fact... tooted i thought maybe you were tooting over there no it's I'm not... not i'm not tooting i'm not tooting or rooting here i'm uh let's just go with it people this is a great this is a great podcast this is real life um i thought they were done the uh the back office in this sort of shared office suite is installing a new door oh, okay um, okay <laughs> and i think they're kind of just drilling it in so i thought they were done if it's in the but, show um, it's in the show <laughs> it's in the show it's too late it's in the show but 
Ilya Mzhinov also super well known because of his belief that chess was brought to planet Earth by aliens. <laughs> what? You didn't you didn't expect that coming, did you? You didn't no. even know that. No. no. So Google it. Let's see. Uh, Kyrson believes in aliens. World chess president claims this. The top. If you Google Kyrson believes in aliens, world chess president claims he was abducted by space aliens with a picture of him sitting across from the one and only Vladdy P running tricks in the KGB. That's Vladimir Putin. Okay, people. Um, so so seriously, like it's a it's a super. He's super like controversial. He's it's uh, no one would care about the aliens. There was a journalist that was linked back to a potential like. Okay, there were accusations of murder, all right? I don't want to even go any farther. I'm not saying anything that, again, isn't just known in public, so please leave me alone, Russian mafia, but that's the deal. The, wow, this is hilarious. This is becoming the best podcast ever. Can we drink to that? This is officially the best podcast ever. Drinking, taking a sip, taking a sip. So one of the things that... Um, you know, in addition to like rigging votes and all these things, there was a lot of thought that this was going to be the year that people were getting rid of him because of the 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 news item done again by the greatest chess journalist mm. ever, Peter, the one and only director of content on chess.com, Peter Dockers. Mm -hmm. It's pronounced, by the way, he's he's uh, Dutch, so it's Dockers, like Dockers pants. Peter Dockers. Got it. Not, Peter not, Dockers. Not Snoop, not Snoop Doggy Doggers. Um, <laughs> so Peter Dockers uh the, the report of the UBS, which is the United Bank of Switzerland, a lot of people know that the Swiss banking industry kind of thrives on their um, their lack of transparency with, with organizations. I mean, you know, we always see them in like Mission Impossible movies, like it's wired through a Swiss bank account or something, right? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Swiss banks allow people to deposit and route large sums of money and have, I mean, a lot of people have really expensive and valuable stuff there. This is like, this is a, it's an actual thing. And Fide's bank accounts have operated... Um, through the UBS, they have a UBS account, and because of sanctions, again, this whole thing runs so deep. I gotta, I'm gonna have to include a ton of links here for the listeners if they really care. The Kyrgyzstan is linked to receiving and providing funding to Syria's Assad, like the the dictator and the crazy stuff that's happened in Syria with genocide and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. So the United States, the the depart uh, the Department of Treasury to the United States froze, or or let's say they placed a like a non-dealing with Kyrgyzstan Ulyumzhinov, President of FIDE, because of financial uh, records that they found. It's been a, it's been over the last year and a half this investigation, but the UBS has finally acted and they actually froze FIDE's bank accounts, which could mean literally bounce checks for the world's best chess players. Whoa. Then you've got, so now all this is happening. We think that there's finally going to be people that are going to get rid of William Zhinov because essentially FIDE doesn't seem like it's going to be able to operate if this guy remains at the head, mm -hmm. but not so fast. His his number two guy, Markropoulos, is announcing that he's running along with others, but all of a sudden Russia, who was expected, Russia has been the one that is tied to a lot of this apparently corrupt money that backs Kyrgyzstan. Russia was supposed to back Macropolis. They've now come out and said they're backing President William Zhinov's re-election. Yet again, there are no term limits here. All right, people, this is, you know, this is, you know, you think the U.S. government is messed up. And OK, it is. But this is a whole nother. There's no term limits here. Right. And in this ticket that they're backing, 
one of the people that's listed, I tweeted today, you know, is this Fide's version of who is John Galt, which I'm pretty sure got Fide Chess to unfollow me on Twitter. Nothing like a tweet that gets an unfollow, right? <laughs> that's a good That's a good tweet. So, that's how you know it's a good tweet. Yeah, that's how you know it's a good tweet. So I tweeted this tweet. I think I got unfollowed by like seven people. It was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, so Fide, Fide um, has backed a ticket that has this guy whose name apparently is Glenn Stark. He's, the, he's a secretary general in the USA. But this person doesn't exist. Mm. And this whole what? news report goes into all these details. Like I said, who is John Galt for the Ayn Rand? Like, why did I get unfollowed? Was it because Fide unfollowed me or is it because, you know, Atlas Shrugged uh, supporters unfollowed me? I have no idea, right? But all I know is I got unfollowed by the Ayn Rand and Kirsan Ilyumzhinov supporters today because of my tweet, which I'll also link in the show notes here. And and there you go. Thanks for bearing with me there. But it's it's a messy, and I just gave you the abridged version, believe me. But Glenn Stark, who is Glenn Stark? Who is John Galt? Hashtag your thoughts. Wow. Are, there are is you a, still there? There is a lot. You didn't know about the, dude, you did not know about the alien thing. I hit you with that. That was awesome. I did not realize that the chess community was this out there. Literally out there. I... After talking to you for over a year on this podcast, Danny, I just thought that chess had it together. It was heading in the right direction. And right. You, I, you know what's really interesting to me is that it's hard for any sport, and, and yes, chess is a sport, and it's also an e-sport now, to get away from these sorts of of turmoil. There's always someone that's crazy. There's always some corruption somewhere. It, it, like It can't be pure anymore. And uh, what's intriguing to me is that people let this happen. Like people let this happen and let it continue and go over and over. And I was reading that article on Huffington Post, which I've linked in the show notes. Uh, that is mind boggling. I mean, and, and you know, for each your own, which which I don't know where that that that, that phrase comes from, but H. Diggity says it all the time. For each your for each your own, like a for each for loop. Each your own. For each, each their own. own, for each for each of their own, uh, but yeah, you know, Glenn Stark just coming up in the world. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, that's ridiculous. And the <laughs> whole thing is, is the whole thing's ridiculous and amazing at the same time. To be honest yeah, with you, he's, he's a he's a mover and a shaker, that Glenn Stark. I'm looking at his his fo- photo on on. Chess. You're like, com. is that an actor? Yes, Mots. That is. Uh, what's that actor's name? Dean uh, Dean Morgan. Is that, is Are that, I'm you looking guessing at? or you know? Oh, I'm looking at the article, and that's what it says. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even see that part of the article. I was just asking. Yeah, the, the article uh, on yeah. chess.com is very, very well documented, actually. P- Peter is, Peter is. I mean, I say it, and, you know, obviously at first I'm hit with a little bit of okay Danny bias, but there really are nobody, there is nobody in history like Peter. The closest other person to him is also the, his co-director of content, Mike Klein, in these days, Mike spends most of his work for us um, with ChessKid.com, our, our scholastic project. But Mike is uh, a super talented guy. Also, I think the only person who's ever done investigative chess journalism to this degree. But Peter is Peter is number one. Peter really leads the way in regards to this stuff. And, and they both act pretty independently. Believe it or not, there have been a lot of times where they're about to publish something that I don't necessarily want them to for business reasons and mm-hmm. the fact that you know i'm operating in a position of 
professional relations, maintaining as happy as possible. Because if they do, then all I got to do is have the best product and my company grows, right? But if but when you get into the PR aspect of stuff, sometimes things are messy. And But ultimately, part of our agreement with them and our, our contracts with them is that Peter and Mike kind of as long as they can kind of have their sources and back each other up and fact check that they basically have, um, you know, that as long as they're maintaining, you know, ethical integrity and, and, and they've done their due diligence, then they have complete journalistic freedom. So Peter publishes this stuff and and then asks asks questions of what I think about it later. So sometimes it scares me. Yeah. Ask later. That's what I recommend. Yep. Just go ahead and yep. ask later. Hey, no big deal. Asking for forgiveness always been easier than permission in my book. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Oh my goodness! I so that's the chess world, Holmes. It so is the chess world ex- imploding at this point, or no? The, it, again, like this stuff has essentially been going on forever. I mean, so I it's, think it's that, normal. It's normal. Well, okay, <laughs> that's a funny way to put it, but yeah, it's. I would say the turmoil that exists for people who care about the infrastructure of chess and and getting into a situation with some transparency and some democracy and some clarity on on how we're gonna grow the chess world in clean ethical ways like for people who are involved and know enough to care like this has been going on forever there's always been turmoil i would say that now because of because of sites like ours and because social media and because the world we live in is what it is Mm -hmm. there are certainly more spotlights on these issues than there's ever been before Um, but as far as i mean i mean this you know kirsan first came out with the alien stuff like 10 years ago you know i mean this is not a uh like a dis uh distrust or un uh, un unrest uh what is that a thing unrest unrest is, mm-hmm. un, unrest in uh in the official dumb that is the governing body of the world of chess is is commonplace so where does yes. it where does it go from here is there a conclusion or like when is it all gonna go down i don't i mean the the bit the best comparison of fide as far as any other sports organization or governing body is to fifa and you would know mm-hmm. what we would say about fifa right Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, overlooking and looking the other way on human rights issues and look no further than the the Qatar World Cup coming up, right? And FIFA's mm-hmm. how exactly did it go to Qatar and why and all that stuff. And I understand I don't live in a naive place. Money talks and everything else walks, but it's the lack of transparency due process when people don't understand what the right way is to even get rewarded such rights. Like these are the issues, right? It, it, it's lack of, like I said, it's lack of transparency, which implies corruption. It's um, in, in places that are trying to act as both, like they think they're a business, but they're also acting off large donations with weird traces, you know? Um, so it's, you know, FIFA is, so how long has FIFA survived this stuff? A long time, right? I a don't know. Time. I mean, you're asking, yeah. what do you want me to answer? I mean, chess.com is doing what it's doing, and I don't even know. I mean, does anything else exist? I mean, the world is the world is a, this, you know, some men just want to see the world burn. I am a material girl in a material world. I mean, I, what am I supposed to say? I, I could go on and on with things that don't mean anything. Did you ever give your analysis, though, of uh, of who will win the 2018 chess championship? <laughs> Well, I told you that I think I think that Carlson is a big favorite. We're really getting ahead of ourselves. We should have a podcast that's focused on on um, this match. But the early prediction, um, as I look at a conversation I have with Fabi on uh, on Skype, who has started streaming his games when he plays on Chess.com hashtag Twitch Program for Life. Love Fabiano Caruana. Um, he. Um, uh, sorry, uh, the uh, he actually just said I got distracted, but um, he he. he He's the underdog. 
he's the underdog for sure. Carlson, the biggest favor that Sergey Karyakin did Magnus Carlson was almost beating him in the last match in 2016. Mm-hmm. Or let's say the biggest disservice Karyakin did to his peers was this was the way that match went. Carlson had a bad match strategy against Karyakin. I mean, I'm not the only one who feels that way. There were a lot of times where he was being questioned for not being true to himself and his approach to the game with both preparation and how he handled some critical moments. And he was down a game with only two games left in the match. I mean, he literally won in a must-win situation to a heavy, heavy underdog. Like, people would have given Carwana a much better chance to beat Carlson in 2016 than they gave Karyakin. But Karyakin gave him a scare, I think in many ways because of a, a, a an approach that Magnus will learn from. So that really does Magnus a favor because now two things can be said. One, he's been trailing in a world championship match now. So now if he even falls behind, he will have the nerves that he needs to come back. Hmm. Number two, he's he has the experience of screwing up his approach to a world championship match. Like every world champion, like it was easier when he when he was the challenger and beat a Noland. And then... In twenty in the rematch in twenty fourteen, he beat it. It was the same person. It was Anand again, who he kind of owned, honestly. Like he he beat Anand as the challenger, less nerves as a kid. Then he had to defend it against Anand, who was you know I love Anand from India, one of my favorite players. But Vishy is Vishy Anand is is just stylistically doesn't do well against Magnus. So he lost the second match. So Karyakin was the first non Vishy Anand test, and he had a horrible approach. But he won anyway. And that fact, honestly, makes Carwana's chances even less, if I'm totally mm. honest. So um, I would say that I, I take Fabiano as one of the only players, maybe the only player who I believe can outplay Magnus, even with the black pieces from start to finish. But I think Carlson, because he's still the best and because he's now been here before, you know, I, I think um, I think Fabiano's in trouble. Hmm intriguing i it's it's really enlightening to hear the entire backstory of of who's learning from who and who's wearing and who's going where and i mean obviously our boy a boy uh, our boy carl uh has our boy carl our boy carl has some advantage here but you know i always like to say don't don't um don't forget about the underdog you know my, my boy wesley so um, he, uh, he represented, you know, a little bit, he was getting there. Uh, I, you know, I think that, uh, Carwana, you know, he has some, he has some legs. I think watching him now on, uh, chess, you know, Twitch, Twitch and live stream on the, the chess.com stuff. Uh, it's interesting. I think that's really intriguing. I think as more people, um, start streaming and start giving insight to who they are, it really broadens, uh, what chess means to the world. I was at a podcaster dinner the other night. We had a bunch of podcasters at Build, and okay. and I was telling them about um, the the Pro Chess League and the esports stuff, and they were blown away. And I said, yeah, you know, like what twenty thousand or some odd thousand concurrent viewers, and they were like, well, that's that's absolutely crazy. And I go, yeah, you know, in fact, you know, there's been chess players such as you know our boy, our our, our, boy, our boy Carl. <laughs> I'm going to get that right. Uh, you and, boy, Carl. And, uh, and others who have have made some additional brand identity uh, and recognition off of streaming their, their chess. And, and they go, that's genius because they're not only already at a celebrity status, but it just gets them more vocal. And actually, I think what that does is to me uh, would kind of 
actually get them more attention, which can kind of psych out whoever they're playing a little bit just because they seem to be getting the spotlight more. Uh, yep. And that that's kind of my that's my thought on the how a chess player who turns into streaming amps up their status. It, 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 it almost makes the opponent think that that player who was maybe comes in at the underdog bump up a few more levels to become some real competition and, and it hits in the back of their mind a little bit you know when if Carwana is getting great mm-hmm. is when we start getting Carwana and Carlson to stream at the same time when they're playing against Ooh. each other now they're revealing their thoughts right yeah that'd be interesting and, that'd be uh, good well I, I know you're right and I think this is one of the things the chess world has been missing and I think that it's um uh a unique well, it's something that esports has always done, right? There's like the best League of Legends teams, but then there's like all these guys have their own channels, right? And they're sort mm-hmm. of known as their own personalities, and they and they leverage that popularity, and they and they have communities that are loyal to them, both for you know financial reasons and just for their brand. And I think um, I think it's that's one of the big things that you know our you know our partnership with Twitch has been pushing. You know, is is um, you know, let's let the world know who the biggest chess stars are and why, and get these guys to stream just like the biggest League of Legends and Fortnite players and all these yeah. other guys do. Yeah, you know. Um, so there you go, man. I mean, that's that's what's going on in the world today. People fighting, whatever. Oh, I, that was a D twelve song. I'm sorry. I won't. I won't go. Never go full D twelve. Never, never, never. Don't do that. Never go full D twelve. Ah. So what else is happening? What else are you do? You doing some? What is this thing that I'm reading about? You training kids and giving away memberships. That's is, happening you're... right after this um, this show. Actually, I'm about to go record with my teacher Sam, one of our Twitch what partners. Is this? I've been. What is it? It's just a. It's honestly just a partner stream that. Um, well, so we have our partner program, and mm-hmm. and you don't have to be Fabiano Caruana to be streaming and getting love and resources. Uh, you know, allocated to you to help you grow and all that stuff and that's kind of you know we have a whole lot of people doing it and uh a couple of weeks ago a team made of chess.com had the idea that i should join i should join people's streams and you know as like a featured guest or whatever because you know whatever bring bring the chess.com community with me in some way that gives them a little bit of recognition and yeah so that's what i'm doing so i've already joined a couple i'm joining sam's today his name is well, his, his Twitch TV name is my teacher Sam, twitch.tv slash my teacher Sam. He's actually hilarious. He is he is one of the biggest personalities, especially of non-titled chess players we've onboarded. I'll have a I'll have a link to his uh Twitch channel in the show notes because he is he is a worthy follow if you're wondering what the casual chess environment is becoming. Okay. Um and uh and who they who they are and, and how entertaining they can be. Um, the, uh, so I'm, I'm bringing that up right now. I'll just put it in the show notes here, but it's, um, anyway, he's, he's hilarious. He, uh, I'm going to be on a show for a couple hours. We're giving away some diamond memberships. We're doing some things. I don't know what he has in store. He's going to quiz me about some stuff or something. I don't know. I was hardly paying attention to the emails. I mean, I'm just going to show up and do what we do. That is my favorite part of actually uh, presenting or going to certain places where you get to that point where like you are not the main presenter. This is my favorite part of presenting is when you're not the main presenter and you get to just show Uh up and be yourself and you're just, Hey, I'm here. I'm here. That's my favorite part. I was working the booth at this conference and I just show up and people ask me questions and I don't not be, nothing's, nothing's, uh, 
And I'm not spending hours upon hours preparing or getting content ready. I'm just like, yeah, just ask me. I'm here. That's why I did the coffee thing. I'm just like, come ask me. I'm here. I'm a, you want to drink some coffee? I love coffee. You love coffee. Let's drink some coffee. Right. Let's love coffee together. Yes. Right? I'm a coffee lover. You're a coffee lover. We should coffee love each other. Yeah. Right? We should hang out and drink coffee, really. Let's be honest. And actually, we should probably um hang out and drink some um some whiskey together or some yeah, scotch a little bit yeah. you know this has been good actually i just finished my yeah my uh got to the bottom here you can maybe hear the ice mm-hmm. oh interesting on the Thinking rocks over there is... I'm, I'm i'm neat i'm neat over here no, oh yeah i you know i just enjoy it's about the coldness for me i just like it mm. a little colder and uh so that's kind of a that's kind of a key thing for this old old dog right um but uh, <laughs> the old dog, classic. I am getting old, man. Although I'll tell you what, it 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 feels good when I compete with this twenty year old who's at our our CrossFit box. That's what they Ooh. call a CrossFit gym, a CrossFit box. He is a stud. He beats me, you know, four times out of five. But every once in a while, when we hit this magic spot where it's just enough strength. Just enough booty in the butt required, <laughs> just enough old man tricks and just enough cardio, this guy can squeeze through with the best time in a wad mm. or an AMRAP or something. So it feels real good to uh, to, to to do that against a 20-year-old. But I, I'm not one of those old guys who's becoming like, yeah, like I'm 50 and you're 30 and I can beat you up, whatever. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. Like it's just, you know, I'm going all out and honestly falling on my face 90% of the time in life. So every once in a while when you go all out and you're like, hey man, this worked out. It just, it feels good. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think that yeah. is the perfect point to end this podcast. To bring it to um, close. It you're is. out of whiskey. I'm out of whiskey. We did our damage, son. Yes. Good work today, Motsi. The greatest podcast ever. This is it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell John to his face straight up. Like today we did it, dude. We hit the spot. Whatever spot you want to call it, but we hit it. Doesn't get any better than this. And honestly, at this point, um, you know, you might as well. I, I don't know where we go from here. Where does this podcast go? So, yeah, they yeah, should call, probably call follow us on every form of social media. Mm-hmm. They should follow if us on Twitter. On, uh, they should follow us on, um, we don't have an Instagram, but if we had an Instagram, you could follow us there. You could follow us on blunders.fm Instagram you can follow us there you can follow we don't have one but you can follow us there it's just great because you just did a full shout out for Instagram and like if we had an Instagram you could follow us there follow us on Snapchat we don't have that either but you can follow us there you can follow us on uh, what other things does Facebook own you can follow us on Facebook Uh, chat with us on uh, WhatsApp WhatsApp, Messenger Snapchat Snapchat social graphs um intelligent ai you follow us on all the things on the internet um and that's gonna do it for this week's uh blunders uh podcast danny that's gonna do it hey i love you buddy until next week next week bye